Every word and beat deserves your attention, all of it. And if you're not prepared to surrender it, then you're missing out. Hugo Rifkind of The Times talking about Succession. That's right. One of the best shows of recent era wrapped up. The finale took place this past Sunday. We're talking succession with spoilers. Okay, I'm not even going to tell you a spoiler alert because I think now if you've been on social media for five minutes, you already know what happened. So I gave it a couple days. I didn't have the spoiler episode three when Logan died. I waited five weeks to tell anybody about that. So yeah, exactly. Cody is not caught up to date. Succession with spoilers we're talking about today because the show's over. Also, two other shows are over. And again, the podcast is called Cinephile. We talk movies here, but this is a, a very TV show centric because of the three shows I watched, three of them all gone. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel final episode took place on Amazon Prime, and Barry ended up concluding Bill Hader's terrific show. That wrapped up right after Succession. So all I got left now is Rami. I watch Rami on Hulu. Can't wait for that next season to come out. i got to find some new TV shows. As Chris and I talked about last week, but there's always so much more content. There'll be the next big thing, next big show. I want to ask you first this about Succession. We're not doing any old movies this week, but because there's been so much talk around the show, but you don't watch the show, did you feel a little bit disassociated? I'll give you an example. Everyone kept talking about Game of Thrones, who's going to win. I don't watch Game of Thrones. So I was kind of part of the conversation, but I really didn't understand. I know there's Jon Snow. I know there's a dragon, Cersei. I love Peter Dinklage. Like, you know enough that you're like, no, I got it. I've heard of Kendall Roy. I know who these people are, but you don't really care. I don't really care, but it does make me... I got this way with Breaking Bad, where everyone was so into it that I swooped in, and the only episode of Breaking Bad I ever watched was the last episode. <laughs> Because I was like, everyone's watching this tonight. It's on the and I I like saw the final scene. It was honestly really fun to watch it from that perspective of not seeing anything else before it. Right. But I've had succession successions on a long list of shows that everyone says is really good, and I wanted to get to. But was it Jeremy Strong? Yes. There's just something about his face. Punchable face. That's what's kept me away from it. I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever love this guy as much as people want me to. As usual, we're in cahoots, because I remember when the show first came out, and it won, after its first season, didn't win Best Drama, it won Best Writing. And they kept showing that table, and I kept saying, who is this guy? And exactly said, I go, that is like a punchable face. And then I started watching Succession. I picked it up before the second season. I watched the first season. I go, this is amazing. And I immediately felt horrible. I go, this guy's a great actor. He's actually the best actor in the show, aside from Brian Cox. And then we had him on the podcast, and I love him even more because he was so gracious. But to your point, if you just saw Jeremy Strong, without knowing anything about him, does he have a punchable face? I think the answer is yes. So we're going to talk about Succession and just how good he is, because I was cheering for him, Team Kendall, so to speak. No old movies this week, but how about our wild card? A lot of hype, a lot of expectations, and I thought she crushed it. Natalie Eva Marie, you know her from the world of WWE. She's got stories about that, our shared experience, but also as an actress, she's worked with Bruce Willis, she's worked with Nicolas Cage, and I think a really fascinating backstory. Grew up Mexican-Italian, uh, talks about sobriety, the role her husband Jonathan plays in her life. I think it's a really cool interview. I think people are going to enjoy it. So Natalie Eva Marie is coming up after we get into some of these shows. Obviously had her on MLB Network as well. I'll talk a little baseball and her love of the San Francisco Giants. But we will do the shows first, and let's talk about succession. So it's pretty tough to land the plane. When you've got a great show, how do you end up finishing that final episode? The Sopranos, very famously, my favorite dramatic television show. Last episode, as everyone knows, cut to black. A lot of people thought their cable went out. I did not think that, but I was angry. I was mad at David Chase. I go, what a cop-out. 86 episodes. And you end the show like that, like open-ended. Like, it's a very artistic ending, but I was mad. I go, that's bullshit. You got to tell us. And David Chase, who was in France at the time, I remember coming out because he knew the opera. People were outraged. And he goes, I don't understand. You people invested all this time in this character. On some level, you must have liked Tony Soprano. You were sympathetic. And you just want to see his brain splattered? Like, what, what is that about? Like, you, maybe you should look inward at yourself. And I'm like, nah, these, these artistic creators getting away with these excuses. Like, this, this is your way of not having an open ending. But the more I thought about it, though, I said, you know what? Of course it's a genius ending. And then I watched it again, and I go, nah, it's pretty brilliant. And you know why I really know it's brilliant? Because it's 2023, and people still talk about the Sopranos ending. So yeah. that, that means it's a great ending, because it was unusual, and it was unique, it was different, and people still talk about it. Another great ending, uh, Breaking Bad. Again, as Chris just said, he didn't watch the show, but it's a great <laughs> ending. And Vince Gilligan, I think, knew. He goes, all right, David Chase took a lot of heat for the Sopranos for the open ending. I'm going to type every loose end. We figure out what happens with Walter and the money, Walter and his wife, Walter and his kid. Jesse Pinkman, he gets away. Walter dies, last shot. Like, there's going to be no loose ends. Like, dude, this is the story of Walter White. Case closed. And I thought, I thought it was an excellent ending. Better Call Saul, very good ending. Earlier this season, we talked about that. Bob Odenkirk, love him uh, and what they did there. Now, of course, there's some criticism. People, if you say, what are the, some of the worst endings of shows? People talk about Lost. People get very mad at Lost. People aren't crazy about uh, Game of Thrones. If you want to have comedies, Seinfeld's one of my favorite shows. 
terrible finale. Like even as a stand, I was like, oh my God, the last episode of Seinfeld was horrible. Like they're all in jail. Like that, that wasn't funny. That wasn't charming. Uh, Deadwood, which is a show I love, was truncated because they didn't know the show wasn't going to get picked up. So it was a bad ending because it didn't end. Then they came back for Deadwood, the movie, kind of wrapped things up. So what does Succession do? Do we have the open ending like The Sopranos? Or because the show is called Succession, somebody better succeed. And what was really funny in this last week was, as you know, you can gamble on everything. I was laughing at all the bets. There was a lot of bets on Team Kendall, Jeremy Strong, bets for Shiv, bets for Tom. And what, that they would win? Yeah, it's for like, people that don't know, like what, like, what, is there something there? Right. Give a little brief for the people sure, that sure. haven't watched it. Like, what was the... So their company, Waystar, is being sold to Matson, Alexander Skarsgård, and Kendall and Roman, that's Kieran Culkin's character, are trying to block the sale. So if they okay. block the sale, they'll keep the company. ATN is the news division, and they'll go from there. Shiv, who is their sister, is working with Matson. Mencken's the guy who's elected the president. So right. betting, oh, Mencken's going to win somehow. Election will be overturned. Definitely perils of 2016, Trump, et cetera. So going into the episode, my boy Hoos was visiting, by the way. I remember previous guest here in Cinefy, he's an actor. He's great. He was visiting for me a couple of days, and we were talking about it. And he said, what is going to happen? I said, well, I think Kendall's going to win. He said, well, why? And I said, well, it goes by this very simple theory. When you look at the show Big Picture, well, what's the show going to be known for? Brian Cox, who's this legendary character actor who's been great for a lot of years, Manhunter, et cetera, he gets the role of a lifetime and really kind of got his swagger back. You know, the guy's like 70s, 80s, whatever he is, but now like he's doing Shakespeare again, he's doing other movies. Like Brian Cox came back up the role of a lifetime and also made a star out of Jeremy Strong. Jeremy Strong had a punchable face and also became a guy that's now in Aaron Sorkin movies. He was in that James Gray film, which we had on Cinephile talking about Armageddon time. So I think the writers, when they're sitting there, go like, even when you're writing, you kind of develop a soft spot for characters. Like, you know what, man? Like, Jeremy's kind of the breakout star of the show. Like, 10 years from now, Jeremy Strong's still going to be a really good actor. I'm not sure about some of the other guys. Like, Kieran Culkin, Macaulay's brother, he may just go to a couple movies and probably that'll be it. But Jeremy's like our guy. So I'm like, I think as a writer, you kind of develop feelings for characters. And Kendall's had the richest character arc. He's been up, he's been down, he killed a guy. You thought he was going to take over for his dad, he's not. My boy Hoosh made a good point. He goes, but if it's Kendall, the first episode was Kendall was going to take over. So you just sat through four episodes, 40 hours of television, just for the predictable result that this guy's going to win? Like, you got to think something different's going to happen. Four seasons, yeah. Four seasons, yeah. Which, I mean, what is it, eight episodes per hour, whatever, 10 episodes, whatever it is, hour per episode. So anyways, the episode goes like this. I thought halfway through, and it looks like Kendall's going to win because Roman and Shiv can see that, okay, let's go with our brother. Even though we hate him, they start having a literally a conversation with the fact they want to murder him, but it'd be too much work, too much administration. And Shiv at one point says, I hate him, but I, I, I'm scared of you. She's talking of Roman, Kieran Culkin. And, and Kieran Culkin's basically making the point, Roman, that Kendall makes the most sense. He is the leader. He's the natural guy. The previous episode, at their father's funeral, Roman started crying, like emotional. They're like, yeah, he doesn't have the intensity, the toughness, the leadership to be the guy. And Shiv, unpredictable, volatile, et cetera. So this final episode, 45 minutes in, it looks like it's going to be Kendall. They have this scene where the, the siblings are together. They start putting all this nasty stuff in a blender, Tabasco sauce, breadcrumbs. She spits in it and then hands it to him. Drink it. This is your drink for a king. And I knew, and this is one of the great things about TV today is you watch the episode. Like when I watched the last episode of Family Ties, that was it. Now when you watch Succession, you go online, there's like 10 different articles, there's five different podcasts. And of course, Jeremy Strong, method actor, loves Daniel Day-Lewis, loves Pacino. He drank what they gave him. And they did like three takes. He said it was absolutely vile. He had to puke afterwards and go in the ocean. I'm like, yeah. But he's like, but the character of Kendall would do it, so I had to do it. Anyways, when it looks like Kendall's going to win, I turn to my wife and said, he can't win. Rule of dramatic television. The episode's an hour and a half. And 45 minutes in, the siblings are all on the same page. They're always fighting. And all of a sudden, they've all agreed. Kendall's the guy. I go, something's going to happen. You know there's going to be a big switch. And the switch ends up being Matson who is the guy who's looking to buy the company, who's aligned with Shiv, he tells Tom, her estranged ex-husband, in a hilarious and ridiculous scene, hey, I'm not sure about Shiv being the CEO if I win. He's like, I have some doubts with her. She's kind of bossy. And then he tells, again, estranged husband, I, you know, I kind of want to kind of get with her. And Tom's like, uh-huh. And he's like, you know, and I think she would with me. He's like, I hope this is not unusual for you. He's like, no. And the great line by Tom, he says, we're men. Which I might use the next time someone says something like I don't find a I'm like, hey, we're men. I understand. You, you want to bang my ex-wife? I'm like, no problem. I totally get it. We're men. And basically, he's testing the waters going, hey, if I buy the company and you're the CEO, what do you think? And a key line earlier, Shiv had said to Matson, the thing about Tom is, and she goes, he goes, I hope there's not an issue with your personal life. She goes, no, listen, Tom will suck the biggest dick in the room. Like, he's the type that he'll just, he'll be, he's a bootlicker. He'll be placated. He's easy. So then he finds out he's now going to be the guy because basically Matson tells him that. Cousin Greg hears about it in Swedish. He translates sends it to Kendall. So the end of that being the winner of succession is Tom. 
But I read a great article in which he said, the winner of what? This show is about nastiness and nasty people behaving badly and getting screwed over and manipulating each other. So even if I won the show, if someone says, who won Succession? It was Tom, the brother-in-law. I really don't think it's a win because he goes, a week from now, a year from now, I'm going to get fired. Something else will happen. And that really is the essence of the show. There's no real winners. There's no real losers. But I felt for Kendall. Jeremy Strong in that scene. So what happens is they think they have the votes, right? The three of them together. They go in the boardroom. This is it. Who's going to go put to a vote? You go around the room. It's 6-6. Six, six, and it's up to Shiv. And she's about to vote for her brother and then goes, I need a minute. And Kendall, Jeremy Strong, like, and she's like, I, 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 she just goes, like, what's going on right now? And she's like, I, I can't do it. And he's like, what? He, she has already found out that Matson is taking her out of CEO. Her ex-husband is going to be the CEO if she doesn't vote for her brother. But she hates her brother so much, she literally looks at him just like, I love you, but I don't think you're the right guy for it. I don't think you'd be a good leader. And now Roman, Karen Culkin's like, oh my God. Like he's, he's almost laughing because he's like, whatever, I don't care. Like you guys hate each other. Like the whole thing's going up. And he's like, this is bullshit. You're bullshit. We're all bullshit. And Kendall, at this point, just desperation. It was so great acting with Jeremy Strong. Like, like this is the most important thing. He's like, I feel like if I don't get this, I might die. He needs to be the CEO of this company. And now his sister is saying no. He's like, well, Shiv, we just had a deal. If you just say yes, we're good. We will keep the company. What our father wants, I will be the leader. But her ego, her pride, her nastiness, like, no, if I can't be the CEO, then no one in this family will. You can sell it to Matson, and my ex-husband will be the CEO. Maybe we'll get back together. I'm having his baby. You know, he's going to be in my life. Amazing. Just like my wife's wow. watching because she goes, I, she goes, I, looks at me, she goes, I hate Shiv. Like what a character. I'm like, yeah, I go, she got, she got rejected by the guy who thought was going to run the company. He's like, no, I don't think you're right. And she got rejected by her husband. Cause at one point she's kind of like, can we reconcile? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know what I want. And still she's willing to do that just so her brother does not win. That is true sibling rivalry and truly the essence of succession. I just fell for Jeremy Straw. Like I said, Tim Kendall. I think he's the best actor of the bunch. I really wanted him to win. I felt heartbroken for him. But every actor had their moment. And this goes back to, and what's really funny about this entire episode is right now Cody is wearing Bill Simmons on his hat. For those yeah, who are not up? sports fans don't realize, Miami Heat, thank God, beat the Celtics in seven. We could not have had a Boston <laughs> team come back from 03. Thank goodness the Heat prevailed. I will be honest, I'm cheering for the Nuggets. Jamal Murray, Canadian, I would love to see him win. But I, I'm pro-Panthers, so I'm definitely I'm all in on the Panthers. But Bill Simmons had tweeted, and I did not see it, thank God. People were sending me stuff, and I go, I don't, I don't really want to know all this stuff. But there was a writer, and Simmons later had posted, said, this is my favorite succession theory. I watched it right after the last episode. How about that for spoiler alerts? Got the kids down, 9.15, I put the phone away. I go, no, don't, I'm not saying a word. I don't care if yeah. literally the world falls apart. I'll check afterwards. Because, of course, <laughs> one of my bonehead friends sent me something. I go, dude, you got to check first. Did you watch? Literally, said, yes. did you watch? Like, you and Roy, I'll text you guys after the Panthers game. Even on my head afterwards, I'm like, I should text first. Like, did you guys watch? Because maybe they're busy. Maybe there's something going on. Like, you right. know, they're like, what a win. Holy shit, yeah. Kachuk. I'm like, no, dude, I'm DVRing. I'm behind. I'm like, 10 minutes behind. Like, what are you doing? Right, yeah, like, that, I'm would sorry, be, I'm sorry. that would be bad. So generally, you should just check. Did you watch? I'm like, of course I watched. I'm like, okay. Anyways, the theory is this. The writer said in shows like these, you always pay attention to the characters' names. Shiv, which is Siobhan's character's name, Shiv is what? A knife. So you know, at some point, she's going to get someone in the back, right? That's what her character's all about. And she knifed her brother in the back. But the more interesting name is whenever you watch a show, if you see a character with an interesting surname, you have to wonder why. Tom's last name is Wamsgams. She starts explaining what Wamsgams means in German. It's basically like man with belly, vests, all this kind of stuff. She says, but here's the most important thing. And the baseball time, which Cody will be amused by. Bill Wamsgams was like in the 1920 World Series. I think, believe for the Pirates. He's known for one thing. He pulled off the first ever triple play in the World Series. So the theory was Tom's going to be the winner because Wamsgams is going to pull off a triple play. He's going to knock out the three Roy siblings, Kendall, Roman, and Shiv in one move. So that theory did come true. Now, I read the interview with the actor who plays Tom, Matthew McFadden, and he goes, were you aware of this Wamsgams character? And he goes, yeah, somebody mentioned it to me like a couple years ago. Do you, do you know your character might be based on this obscure baseball player? And I was like, oh, I don't, like, he's a British guy. He's like, I don't pay attention to baseball. He's like, oh, he'd pull up triple play. So the interviewer was like, like, what do you think? Like, this is the theory. He's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think they named my yeah. character. Like, I think, like, that's cool. But like, whenever I read these people who say these theories and stuff, like these writers, they're not thinking that way. Jesse right. Armstrong, the writer, just sat there and said, this will make the most sense. None of the Roys win. Tom will do it. He didn't go, hey, I named this character because of Bill Wamsgans who played right. for the Pirates in 19... Like, like, maybe that happens. I mean, one of my friends told me on Lost, I think all the guys were Yankee writers, so certain characters have Yankee names. I'm not totally sure about that, but the point is... Tom was well, like, yeah. Also, do they, do they write these things? Like, they write these things as the seasons go, right? Excellent question. So, McFadden, who, again, who plays Tom, he said... 
because they go, when did you know? Like, when did you know you were going to win? And he said, well, Jesse was really honest, the, the, the writer and creator. He goes, he'd written it pretty much before the season started. But a few episodes in, he goes, if anybody wants to know what happens, come see me. Like, I'm not going to announce it to everybody, but if you're interested in your character. And McFadden, who plays Tom, said, I don't really want to know too much. Because if you know what's going to happen, you start telegraphing it a little bit. So it's better if you're just going episode by episode. But I was yeah. curious. So I went and saw Jesse, and I go, how's it going because to go? Because yeah. that would have mean he had this plan the whole time, and he right. gave this guy this name at the beginning, yeah. knowing that... So it's like, if they're writing this as they go, it's like impossible for these <laughs> theories to be like... Correct. You know? So, but he said he asked Jesse halfway through what happens, and Jesse laid it out for him. He's like, yeah, you're going to win. He's like, really? He's like, yeah, Shiv's going to turn on him. This guy's going to turn on him. You're going to do this. He's like, wow. He's like, it's kind of a hollow victory. Like, you don't feel great about it. Your ex-wife's miserable. Like, he's like, okay, cool, yeah. got it. But he, but he said, like, don't play your hand. He goes, no. He goes, once he told me, I'm like, okay, but it didn't really impact my acting. But bottom line is, if you think of the great dramatic shows, the last 10, 15, 20 years, drag shows, you still got The Sopranos. You still got Breaking Bad. You still got The Wire. But Succession, I think, takes its place. Top five, top six of that group. I'd throw in Deadwood in there as well. Mad Men, a great show. But I thought it was really well done. I thought it was excellent. At some point, Chris Cody's going to watch Succession. A nasty show about nasty people, which has lots of memorable dialogue. They asked Tom what was his favorite line. He goes, well, at one point, someone called me the cunt of Monte Cristo. He goes, I thought that was a pretty uh. good line. And... Um, I thought the character Carl was great. There's one scene he has with Kendall, which he's basically saying, you need me as much as I need you. He doesn't say that, though. He says, you might have my dick in your hand, but I have your dick in mine. That's one way of saying, hey, don't mess with me. Succession, I thought, unfolded very, very well. A satisfying finale. Let's do a couple more shows, and we'll get to Natalie Eva Marie. So Barry's a hell of a show. If you've never seen dark, dark, dark shows, comedy. Yeah, dark. So here's the thing. It's get billed as a comedy. Again, I didn't watch the first season. Six episodes, I think. Maybe eight. Eight episodes. I see Bill Hader wins Best Actor. Winkler wins Best Supporting Actor. Like both of them a lot. Loved Winkler, obviously, because of Arrested Development. I didn't see Hader a ton on SNL, but when I would see him, I thought he was really funny. Vincent Price, amazing. Does great impressions. Super bad. Super bad, of course. Like, Hader's a funny guy, for sure. And I had heard, hey, Barry's amazing. You gotta watch it. So I watch it, and I'm like, it's definitely funny, but it's more intense than I thought. It's more dramatic than I thought. Again, he's a serial killer who is trying to overcome his past as a, I mean, maybe a, circus rocker, a, a military veteran who's killed a lot of people, and then now he's being hired by basically a bounty hunter in Fuchs, the great Stephen Root. But he wants to be an actor. He takes an acting class led by Henry Winkler, so on and so forth. But the show really, somebody did a breakdown on The Hollywood Reporter, how much of it is drama, how much of it is comedy, like barely 50-50. If it wasn't a 30-minute show, it would be categorized as a drama, especially towards the end. I mean, the first season definitely still had some big laughs with the second season. By the third season, like, it's a drama. And this fourth season was like an intense thriller. Like, it was Barry's on the run. Who's Barry going to kill? Who's going to kill first? Henry and Claire. I'm like, no, this isn't really funny. Like, the last episode I watched, I think I had one smile at one point. I definitely did not laugh. It was intense. So, yeah, so very, very misleading uh, advertising here. Barry's a comedy. But I got to be honest, I did not think they stuck the landing. I, I like Hater a lot, and I thought the show was really funny and different. And like I was saying to my buddy Hoosh, what I like about it is when shows combine comedy and drama. You can, you can laugh at something and still get moved by something if the actors are good enough. Henry Winkler is such a good actor. You can laugh at it, but also go, oh, my God, I feel so tragic for his character. And there was moments when the, you know, the, the police detective who he's in love with was murdered by Barry. The great scene where Fuchs tells him Barry Berkman did this. Like, there's some wonderful moments and also some big laughs. Sarah Goldberg has this big monologue, which is really funny. There's this one time where they're like, eh, eh, and it means things in Cobe is really good. But the last episode, and here's my problem. It's also happened. Marvelous was amazing, which I'll get to in a second. When you're ending the show, I don't know why they feel the need to jump ahead in the show. So the final seasons of Barry, final episodes of Barry, excuse me, I believe it was episode five, it just jumps to the end. Like he breaks into prison. You think he might kill Noho Hank. He tells Sarah, his ex-girlfriend, let's go away. The next scene is like six years in advance. And I go, okay, maybe it's a flash forward, but the next episode, they'll go back to where they were. But no, they yeah. didn't. They just, they just skipped it. So it's just six years ahead He's completely given up on his life of killing people and being an actor. Him and his wife now live in the middle of nowhere. They're raising a son. But they read an article that the story of Barry is going to be made into a movie. Henry Winkler sold the movie rights. It's going to be a movie. And he goes, I got to go kill Cousineau, which is Henry Winkler's character. And I'm like, we just missed six years of this guy's Like, No, why don't you just keep telling the story linear? You can have one flash forward if you want. Better Call Saul did that. Like you'd see Bob Odenkirk in a Cinnabon and go, why is he working in a Cinnabon? And then they would go back to the present day. That's cool. Like, I'm, I'm good with that. But they, they jumped up, they, they skipped up way too yeah. much stuff. And I'm like, I, I don't know why he just skipped in six years. Because in the last few episodes, it felt very truncated, very jammed together. We have to end the show somehow. Can't be an open ending. Spoiler alert. Henry Winkler kind of wins. He shoots Bill Hader in the head. So Bill Hader definitely dies. But then the last thing his kid is watching in the film adaptation is that 
Henry Winkler goes to prison for life, so nobody wins. He, he does kill Barry, but then he goes to jail, so that's not really win for anybody. So I really love the show. I recommend it, but I'll be honest. The last season had some big risks, big chances, and it's really a hater show. He co-created, wrote a bunch, and directed a bunch. And he said all along, he really wanted to be a director. He goes, I, I wanted to be Martin Scorsese growing up. I did not want to be a comedian. I wanted to be a director. So he loves doing the show and doing all the directing and the, especially the intense cinematography. Like it's, it's really well shot show and well directed by him. But I got to be honest, wasn't crazy about the finale. Lastly, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which again is a show, lost a lot of juice over the years. I mean, at its apex, it was fantastic. A couple of blurbs here, by the way, I should read about uh, Barry. Jack Kleiman of Inverse, as the show races to its big finale, Barry remains as violent, hilarious, and brilliant as ever. But as the HBO series also reveals, Bill Hader still has a few tricks left to play. He did, but I didn't really like the last trick. And Bill Goody Kuntz of Arizona Republic, I hate to see a series this good end. That is true. Same thing with Succession. I wish they'd kept going, but I respect shows that say, you know what, four seasons, that's it. We were kids, ER would go like nine seasons. Yeah. I'm sure NCIS is like on its 20th season. Blue Blood's 12th season. I mean, these shows go on forever. What's up? Grey's Anatomy, I think, is still on. I'm like, what? That's yeah, it's still, still on? going. That's like 16 mm-hmm. seasons. Like, I love the fact these shows are like four seasons and we're good. Which gets us to The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. When it first came on the scene, and Cody did watch the first season. You watched a few episodes. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Funny. Yeah, great. Different. Set in the 1950s. Housewife cheated on by her husband. Becomes a stand-up comic. Based in large part on Joan Rivers, which I didn't realize at the time. And then I read about that afterwards. But incredible production design, beautiful costume design, and I love the performances. Rachel Brosnan's amazing. She's actually in a show right now on Broadway. I would go just to support Rachel Brosnan. She's in a show with Oscar Isaac. But a real combination of both charming, pretty, and also really funny and talented, and her comic time is amazing. Supporting cast, if you've listened to the pod, you know recently I had Tony Shalhoub on, Kevin Pollack, those guys are awesome, especially Shalhoub. Um, I think Michael Zegan's really good as Joel, and of course you got Susie there, who's, who's such a firecracker of a character. Alex Bornstein. Alex Bornstein, yeah. Emmy Award winner. Yeah. So the first yeah, season wins great. for Best Comedy Series. Bornstein wins for Supporting Actress. Brosnan wins Best Actress. Second season, they don't win for series. I think Brosnan may have won. Bornstein definitely won again. And then the show keeps getting nominated, but didn't win anything. And it's like the Emmy voters kind of figured it out too. Like, no, the first season was amazing. Second season, pretty good. And then what happened is COVID hit, and then the show kind of lost its footing a little bit. There was a huge gap between, I want to say, seasons two and three or three and four. It was like two years. The show wasn't on the air. And it came back, and you're like, hmm. Like, it still looks great. It's still got the period detail, music, 50s, but it's just not as sharp. It didn't feel as strong. And so when I heard that season five was wrapping up, I'm like, that's probably the right decision. And the first few episodes were a slog. I mean, my wife gave up on it. Uh, this morning, she said to me, she goes, you finished it? I'm like, yeah. She goes, what happened? I go, we're going to watch it. because I'm not going to watch it. Just tell me. And I go, I, 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 okay, come on, we just watched the show for five seasons. You have three episodes left. She goes, I'm not, no. I think the season wasn't very good because it's taking forever. Just tell me what happened. So I'll give you a couple blurbs first. I disagree with Chris Barsanti of Slant Magazine. The show's mixture of comedy and fantastical nostalgia is as intoxicating as ever. We also have a Marianka Swain of Daily Telegraph. The period comedy drama's last draw is generally enjoyable, even if the jarring choice to introduce time jumps somewhat ruins its escapism. Same problem as Barry. So the season starts, she's in the 60s, she's now writing for a talk show. The guy's clearly based on Johnny Carson, and she's now a comedy writer. She wants to be stand-up, but she's working as a writer. The show jumps ahead 40 years, 2005. I'm like, what are we doing? Why don't you just tell the story? Now you see her mansion, loaded, rich, but she's not talking to Alex Bornstein. Something happened with her and Susie. Now this goes back to like 1980. Now there's an episode of her and Susie where they're fighting. Then it goes back to 1960. I'm like, enough with the time jumps. Why can't we just tell the story? And the last episode, again, flash forward, Better Call Saul. Give me a little brief, a little snippet if you want. That's okay. 10 seconds, a minute maybe. Oh, what's going on here? But, but they went way too far in advance. And I, I, don't, I, guess, I guess these creators feel the need with the show ending. They got to wrap everything up. But long story short, Maisel becomes a huge hit. But her and Susie have a falling out because Susie was mobbed up. And Midge's husband found out that she was mobbed up, went to the mob and said, listen, I have a restaurant. You guys are in business with me. We can embezzle money, racketeering, fraud, but just save my ex-wife. I want her free from the mafia. So he makes a deal with the devil. The mob says, okay. He ends up serving time in prison. This is all the flash forward stuff. He serves time in prison to save his ex-wife. Ex-wife finds out about it, turns on Borstein. Borstein calls her, see you next Tuesday. They have a huge fight and they have a big falling out. Later on, they're both very successful. Susie has this big roast, but again, it's all time shifting. Hey, remember when this happened, this happened? It was too much. I'll be honest with you. The last episode was cool. Again, the guy's clearly based on Carson and I'm like, how's it going to end? She's going to do stand up on Carson, kind of like Joan Rivers. And the, the basic, it's a long story short, 
Borstein hooks it up through the fact she had a relationship with the host's wife. They had a relationship back in college, didn't end well, but she's like, you owe me. She goes to her husband. You got to put Midge on the show. Midge is uh, Miriam, obviously, Rachel Brosnan's character. Okay, fine. He puts her on the show. He says, you're only going to go on as a writer. She's like, what? I thought I was going to go on as a stand-up. He's like, no, you're going to come on as a writer. This is what we're doing. If you don't like it, whatever. They have a couple of stools. She tells her dad, Tony Shalhoub shows up. Her ex-husband shows up. Her mom shows up. And they're on stools. And he goes, oh, this is Midge, one of my writers. I just want to ask her the writing process. He asks her a benign question. makes a dumb joke. Looks at the writers and goes to break. They're like, what? The producer comes in like, dude, we still have four minutes left in the show. He's like, nah, whatever. Let's just end early tonight. He's like, this is network television. You can't end early. What are you doing? We have four minutes left in the show. He's like, nah, whatever. I don't care. Whatever. And Midge is just in shock. What is this guy doing? Like, I, I thought we pulled some strings to get me on the show. I was going to do stand-up. All of a sudden, now I'm here as a guest. And they have a great scene, her and Susie. She looks at Borstein and goes, I got a bad idea. She goes, my whole life has been bad ideas. She's like, she's like, hey, nobody ever told you to go on stage that first time. She's like, yeah. And she goes, tits up. She goes, yeah, tits up, which is a great slogan for the show. They come back from break. Host says, like, okay, let's talk some more. She says, you know what? I'm not enough talking. I'm not really a writer. I just, I just, just use the writer for the bathroom. I'm going to do some stand-up. He tries to, like, grab her. He says, oh, I got this. She goes out. There's a great model, like, four minutes. Makes fun of the fact her husband cheated on her. Forgets her kids' names. Like, just crushes it. And then the last scene. And this is very famous Carson used to do. If you kill it on Carson, he'd wave the comic over. So there's a great scene of Drew Carey. I love this clip. You look it up on YouTube. He said, when I first did Carson... I kill it. Griffin's going nuts. And then Johnny waves me over. And I, I was in such shock. I'm like, me? Like, I looked around. Like, what? Like, what? And he's like, no, no. Johnny called, he starts crying. He's like, Johnny called me over. So same thing. Midge kills it. The host waves her over. And he's like, let me tell you something. You are not a writer. You are a performer. There is no reason for you to be on the staff. You're fired. You're fired from my show. But you'll be back on my show as a writer. You were simply marvelous. Crowd starts cheering. Then you go to a flash forward, which is brutal. Her and Susie in 2005, they're like, talking on the phone, the guy's trying to explain FaceTime to her, they're like, I don't know how this works. They call each other, both put in VHS cassettes and start watching Jeopardy at the same time and start guessing the last answers. Very weak final five minutes. I was like, this, this, is, this was not the ending of Succession or Barry. Bill Hader getting shot in the head. They're playing Jeopardy long distance. I'm like, yeah, not great. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, love the show, love the characters, love the concept, did not love the finale. Ultimately, Succession gets four main beliefs. Barry gets three and a half. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I'll be kind and give it three because the overall show and arc, I really did enjoy. Let's take a quick time out and come back with Natalie Eva Marie. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, Chris, story time for you. I'm the voice of Monday Night Raw. I'm with Corey Graves. I'm with Byron Saxton. We're backstage going through the scripts, and it says Evolution. And I'm like, uh, what's this about? And they're like, oh, uh, Eva Marie is coming back. I'm like, wait, what? They're like, Eva Marie. I'm like, I love Eva I'm a huge Eva Marie fan. Are you kidding? I'm going to call her matches? They're like, yeah, she's coming back. I'm like, wow. They go, but you're just, there's a video, and then Corey Graves is going to go nuts, and then you're just going to just do whatever. I'm like, all right, great. Unfortunately, things did not work out for me long term at WWE. 
So I missed the evolution by three weeks, but now this is great news. Eva Marie joining us now on Cinephile. It is fantastic to finally see you. It is so nice to finally see you. I've heard amazing things. <laughs> so it's really, really cool to finally, um, you know, connect and actually see each other. Hopefully, hopefully eventually we can do, do this again in person. Yes. Um, but for now, you know, we'll do it through technology. Exactly. I was going to say baby steps for now, but it's going to get even better when we see each other in person and catch up properly. Yes. But, but your, your story is amazing, Natalie. I, I want to get all into it. We're going to talk movies. We're going to talk about your career, but yes. I want to go back to the beginning because my wife is from San Jose and you're from Walnut Creek. So. Bay area, <laughs> baby. Let's go. You should see how much giant stuff I have in this house. Warriors. I mean, she's all, she's all about it. So Walnut Creek, but half hour from San Fran. I feel like you're an hour from San Jose, depending on traffic. Yeah. You grow mm -hmm. up, three older brothers, Italian yep. father, Mexican mother. Like that's, that, yep. listen, I know in the, a lot of Hispanic, obviously, community in California, but that's a pretty unique upbringing. What was that like growing up? Exactly what you would expect. You know, a lot of, uh, a lot of heat, a lot of fire, but <laughs> very, very, very strict household as well. Yeah. Um, but it was amazing. I mean, obviously, now that I'm older, I appreciate how I was raised. But during that time, I was like, why do the boys get to do these things and I can't? And my dad literally would say, um, because you're a girl. So <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah. Because I'd want to stay up late, and, you know. Well, that, well, as soon as you said you exactly what you expect, I go, I don't want to delve in stereotypes. But if I say Italian father, I'm like, okay, uh, loving but domineering, strict. Mexican mother, sweet but intense, fiery. Like that, that, that's what I'm picturing. Oh my gosh, legit. And it's still the same. So my parents are incredible they're my heroes they're actually celebrating 50 years of marriage uh june 3rd Aww. so yeah my mom is definitely you know la jefa for sure <laughs> you don't you don't want to mess with that lady she's four she's 411 typical mexican woman like everything traditional that you could possibly think of sure. that is her to the t um and you don't want to mess with her I love that. At all. I love that. I would never, I couldn't imagine dating you. I mean, Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan came over for the first time. He's like, oh my God, this is what I'm dealing with. This is a woman. This woman's a dynamo. Oh, legit. It, he, to this day, he thinks it's funny because he first came over and he's listening to like, you know, all of us talk and everything like that. And he pulls me aside and he's like, why is everyone yelling at each other? <laughs> it's like, oh no, 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 no. We're not yelling. This is this. You, whoever is loudest gets heard. One of the things I love about you is you're just so authentic, and you put it out there. And I was watching a video you and Jonathan the other day talking about <laughs> the battles you've had, and it's amazing. Like um, you don't you don't see people um, with that kind of honesty talking about substance abuse and overcoming challenges, and and it's amazing. And it seems like your union was really built on sympathy, on compassion. And I, he had a great line. He goes, "If I was going to abuse my body, you know, rather than do it through like drugs and alcohol, I would do it through fitness." And that like you guys are both like yoked, like you're incredible. Shape. but that, that is an example when i hear addicts talk about i'm not saying you guys are addicts but people have dealt with some no, issues i am right. so it's quite yeah. all right right you, you take one addiction and you you literally put it towards fitness and now you guys have like two percent body fat and you're like an incredible <laughs> shape but like that is how it happens you have to, you come from a place of of difficulty and you're able to turn that into mm -hmm. a positive which is very inspiring thank you yeah i'm really lucky that i found a partner that is super supportive and it's i'm lucky too because he uh you know he just stopped drinking at an early age he just was like oh this isn't really i don't really need this it's not really a positive um and then here i come and uh so obviously i put the stamp of yeah definitely not something that we'll be doing for recreation no it's an amazing story and of course wwe legend you know it's one thing to be in the wwe universe as i got to be for a little bit and just to see how so you already know no, but so like you already know it is a craze it is a circus over there Natalie, my book is gonna be amazing i'm like you know i got my years at espn my years at mlb never cares my wwe experience like it's crazy but one of the biggest takeaways I found when I was there was just how hard everybody works. Like it was yeah. incredible to me. I'm like, like nobody takes vacation. Like Vince is in my ear. Vince is in the meeting. Like everyone, all the wrestlers are doing their moves. Like Corey and Byron are going through their stuff. Like it was the, the biggest thing to me being in that universe was like the dedication of everyone is incredible. And it's all consuming. Like when you're there, you can't be one foot in one foot out. I imagine when you were a part of those experiences twice, it was in some ways overwhelming, but also you're probably so grateful for it because you can be so immersive and just dive all the way in. No, for sure. I mean, WWE definitely, um, you know, it always has a piece of my heart because it really, it gave me my start. Yeah. You know, they took a, a no-name kid and, and rolled the dice on me and I'm forever grateful because it has given me this platform. I'm able to 
hop on your show and talk to you without them. I wouldn't be sitting here for sure. But I also think WWE superstars don't get enough credit in the sense. I mean, you're on MLB network, right? Mm -hmm. These guys, they all, they have off seasons in WWE. There is no off seasons. So you're literally pedal to the metal all year round. So handling all the physicality to the live performances, to getting to the next city, to doing, they do a ton of stuff within the community, which is amazing. Um, and doing those appearances, it's, it's definitely, you are all in. It's a great point with vacation. I remember early on, like turning to Graves or Byron, like, so we ever get like, you know, I got kids. I want to take some time off. They're like, what? Like, no, it's, it's 52 weeks. Like, no, if you're taking vacation, it's going to be Tuesday to Saturday. You better not miss Raw. If you, you'll be fired if you ever miss a show. Like, yes. oh my God, it's crazy. But I, I respect sure. the dedication. All right, let's talk some movies. Before we get into your movies, how passionate were you about movies growing up? What kind of movies did you watch with your parents, with your brothers? What movies did you love? I mean, growing up, it was very much, you know, obviously like Rocky, um, Die Hard, those types of movies. It's funny because my, my brothers still laugh because back then when you would still go to like Blockbuster in our town, we would have Bradley Video. So it was like a big deal to go rent a movie, right? So I would go with my mom and the boys would get so mad at me because I would end up always wanting to rent. Um, nobody puts baby in a corner, you know, <laughs> that one. Like, and my brothers were like, dude, we've seen this movie so many times. Like you're not allowed to pick anymore. Like sit down, you're done. So <laughs> dirty dancing is definitely one of my back in the day, all time favorites, but, um, I can still watch every single one of Rockies. Yeah. I just love, I love it. Maybe because it's the Italian stallion. That's what we call my dad, you know? <laughs> I just picture your dad now, like in a training montage, got logs on his back. He's in the wilderness. It's great stuff. Right. Um, inconceivable. So this is 2017. So you've done SmackDown. You've obviously worked at WWE. Now we're making the jump to movies. You're working with Gina Gershon, Nicolas Cage. Like, tell me what that is like for a girl from Walnut Creek, Nelson worked with major movie stars. I know it was insane. So at first I had no idea what to expect. This being my first movie I made, um, obviously in WWE, I changed my hair to red. Yep. So for the film, they didn't want some crazy redhead. So I had, I made the back to my original hair color, which was black. Yeah. I had no idea what to expect because you know, it's brand new. And these are, these are Academy award winning actors and actresses so i'm like oh like make sure i know my stuff but that's one thing i do feel coming from the wwe you are prepared like nobody like it's live television you sink or swim so you need to know and some and you know how it is things are changing on the fly like before you even walk out a gorilla or into your match or something everything is like could all of a sudden be like oh we're scratching this and this is what's going on so you have to be able to improvise you have to be able to um, memorize your stuff like on the spot. So I made sure that I had all my stuff dialed and then uh, kind of walked in being like, okay, I'm going to be a sponge and try to soak up as much as I possibly can from these superstars. And it was incredible. I was hoping for some like crazy drama on set, <laughs> like some like insane things. Cause you would hear certain rumors, especially about like Nicolas Cage sure. and stuff like that. Yeah. And I was let down a little bit. <laughs> It was, everyone was so cool. And it was really crazy, my encounter with Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Um, because obviously, if you haven't seen any of his movies, you're living under a rock, right? Yeah. So I remember meeting him and he was like, oh my God, so nice to meet you. I'm, we're, I'm, me and my son, we're huge WWE fans. Will you actually hop on this FaceTime and talk to my son? And I'm like, I'm trying to play it cool. <laughs> because I'm like, whoa, this is, this is Nicolas Cage. Like, what? Um, so he was awesome. I loved every minute of working on set. And plus, you know how quick WWE is. So being on set, I'm like, this is a piece of cake. Like they can't even legally bring me back to set for, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? So you get a proper amount of sleep. You can get a workout in. It's amazing. I just love that you dropped in gorilla because that's only something WWE people would know what that means. True, true. Biggie's in gorilla right now. I'm like, yep, okay, got it. Like, I I love that you dropped it. That was great. I I had Nicolas Cage once at the Sundance Film Festival. And to your point, I'm like, I'm awestruck going in. I'm like, oh my God, it's Nicolas Cage. Like, this guy's face off, Con Air, leaving Las Vegas. He's done everything. He can do drama, he can do comedy. 
And uh, he was just like the coolest guy. And you're right. He was very, the word I would use is he was very sweet. Like he, like he didn't yes. look the part. Like he loved his big, like, you know, fur jacket and the cool sunglasses. But I remember yeah. he talks very, I can't do an impression, but he talks very slowly, deliberately like Nicolas Cage. Yes. But like a very sweet guy. Like he was authentic. I found him thoughtful. I think he's very intelligent. I'm like, dude, like for all the stories with this guy, he seems to get great hang. <laughs> it's, it's totally. I was like, I was hoping for something like, you know, because you hear the stories and stuff. So I was prepared. Yeah. Plus, also, I think what helps is being in a WWE locker room. You're dealing with a lot of personalities, yeah. a lot of a lot of chaos, a lot of things. And uh, people are different every single day. So you you learn to deal with multiple personalities constantly. Yes. So I think that also helped me on, well, on a movie one set. One thing also I think would help the movie set, now that you mentioned it, I remember, like literally, we're minutes before, and like, as you, again, the writers are giving these full scripts. I remember seeing, I think it was like Jinder Mahal. It was like an entire page of Dalek he was trying to learn. I go, this is incredible. I was like, this is what actors do. This is like, you go to learn Shakespeare. Like, okay. Yeah, totally. Like, I, I was, and I'm like, I don't know if he was nailing it word for word, but it's pretty close. Like, I think Vince will let you know if you, if you deviate a little bit too much. Like, you are trying to hit word for word, the commas, the pauses. So I would think that background must have helped, at least with your acting, and able to, to kind of memorize so many lines so quickly. Oh, my gosh, 100%. That's why I do feel the crossover for any WWE superstar into film, into TV, is very natural because you're already performing live. You're already, you know, kind of the, the cameras and stuff. But the difference is, on live television, it's you have one take. Yeah. On a movie set, it's like a million takes because you have to get the other shot, you have to get the close up, you have to get from the other perspective. It's like, wait a minute, this is insane. Like, <laughs> what? You know? That's one of or, my biggest things I've said about acting. I said, you know, I could never imagine because there's so many takes. As you said, WWE, MLB Network, it's one take, it's live TV. We screw it up, oh, whatever, we'll get it tomorrow. Like, totally. Like, with acting, I'm like, oh my God, take 27. Like, Okay, I don't know if you remember, but what's the most takes you ever did of, of any scene? Especially because you're doing action scenes too. You're running around a lot. Like that's you know what was shocking is I mean you have to repeat a scene so many times because they're getting different talking right cover from right. each character. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So yeah. you end up doing the scene a ton, but I think really I'm pretty lucky. There wasn't anything that was super crazy, but it is long. Like you are working long days, yeah. but you're repeating the scene probably like depending on the length of the scene too. Yeah. Maybe, maybe 10, maybe 10 times. 10 too many, Natalie. We got to just do one or two and that's it. I'm not. <laughs> hey, that's what I'm used to. I'm like, yo, we're either hitting in on this first one or <laughs> we're not. So let's, let's get it together. Um, so you got to work with Nicolas Cage, Gina Gershon, again, studs. And then you worked with Bruce Willis in Hard Kill. I mean, it, uh, again, we're talking as you were describing your childhood, the 80s. I'm like, yeah, Die Hard. I think you were four years old when Die Hard came out, but everyone's seen Die Hard. Everyone knows Bruce Willis, what he can do. I don't know how many scenes you actually had with Bruce specifically in a hard kill, but what was that experience like? Another legend. I got so lucky considering, you know, these are my first films and I'm getting to work with these massive, massive superstars is insane. So with Bruce, I was like, I didn't know what to expect either because you hear so many different things as well. But he was super nice, super cool. And I also think, obviously, because he was older, so he's a lot more calm, hmm. you know? So uh, I'm really lucky that I got the chance to work with him because it's one of those kind of bucket lists. You grow up watching these guys as a kid, and then all of a sudden I'm standing next to you in a scene. It's kind of surreal. <laughs> <laughs> so you're working with these actors, you're working with these stars, but you've also like cultivated, you're like a brand unto yourself. Like Nem is like, you've got fashion, you've got clothing, you've got sunglasses. Like, tell me how, how did you become a brand unto yourself? How does, how does someone do that? Well, I think all, I have to give a lot of credit to my husband because he is so Jonathan, when we first met, I mean, he's a really, he's a big nerd. He was working at Blizzard entertainment. So for anybody that doesn't know what that is, it's a, it's a gaming company. They were, uh, make games like, World of Warcraft and stuff like that. So he's a, and he has an MBA, so he's very smart, hence why I married him. Um, <laughs> so immediately when I got into the WWE, it was like, okay, this is now a brand. We can now shift into business set, business mode, and try to kind of capitalize on that as well at the same time. So you building you know, not only like our, our fitness, nataliemarie.com, and then NEM Fashion, um, just so that way you have longevity. So that way, you know, with anybody that is following me or, 
um, likes what I'm doing and wants to know what's going on, you know, then they get to have kind of a piece of me as well hmm. as I continue to grow. I don't know what upcoming projects you have, but I would love to see you in comedy. Because even just talking, I can tell you're funny and you have good comedic timing. And again, because your look and because you're so fit, they're going to go, okay, make her the babe in a you know action movie. But I'm like, no, I think like comedy, you'd be hilarious in like a comedy. Wouldn't you love to do a comedy? Oh my, yeah. oh my God, I would love to do a comedy. Yeah. I would absolutely love that. I just did my first lead action role that should be hopefully coming out this year. Yeah. It's called Phoenix. But yeah, comedy, that would be so fun. I mean, some of the my favorite movies, they're comedy you know it's just like you gravitate to it to it plus it's who doesn't like a comedy everybody wants to laugh yeah. so it's one of those things where it's like oh my god i feel like i definitely would love to do that and it'd be so much fun yeah it's gonna happen we'll get, we'll get working on the script see if we can get something green lit we'll put you in there no doubt about it um your last your last episode i will shout out to Corey graves first yeah. of all because obviously you had him on mlb and then um so you didn't like Billy Madison. Well, I was about to say, you mentioned comedy. So Billy Madison, I'd never seen it. And Chris, my producer, it's one of his favorite movies. It was his birthday last week. Uh, you're going to tell me I'm wrong. I can already feel it coming from you. You're going to tell me Billy Madison's a classic. I think I'm going to tell you you're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Chris, Chris, I'm with you. I can't I'm with believe, you, Chris. I can't believe Natalie Sider. This is, this is devastating. <laughs> now, I need, now I need some redemption. What about like, what about, uh, okay, comedies that I love. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I love like the Naked Gun. I like the Hangover. Okay, Hangover. Oh my gosh, hangover. classic. Okay. so good. All right, we so good. Ourselves in the Hangover. We bounce back. Um, I mean, I love my one of my favorite lines from Hangover is oh, I forget his name, but not not Bradley Cooper. Probably Zach Galifianakis. No, no, no. Um, the, the, it's West the Holmes, the guy with the tooth, the dentist, the glasses. No, no, Ken Jeong, the, the Asian guy. Yes, the Asian guy. <laughs> uh, when he goes, not my problem <laughs> so anything that comes up you know especially when because jonathan and i obviously we work together too yeah. you know I, I like to kind of throw that line to him a lot <laughs> well, okay. so last thing is again i think it's amazing that you and your husband have such a wonderful working relationship but what happens when you get in an argument like we all get in arguments right i get an argument with my wife she gets mad at me i, I go to work she does her own thing like how, what do you guys do you're in the middle of a spat and then you're gonna shoot a workout video for your six million instagram followers what happens then <laughs> you know what's shocking is it is crazy because we do spend so much time together because we work together we obviously are married yeah. um but you know, someone will go out on a run. He'll go to the gym, yeah. and then everything is fine. That's true. Get a little workout, yeah. and everything works. Out. Graves is the same yeah, thing. Exactly. Him and Leah have their podcast together, and he said the same thing. He goes, "Yeah, if we're not if we're not feeling, it, everyone takes a time out, then we get everything done." And again, you guys are so honest; <laughs> you kind of just put it up. So it's great. Um, yeah, exactly. All right, promote everything for us. Instagram, obviously, Nem Fashion, all that stuff. Give, give me the whole rundown. Yes. So on all my socials, and I just started. I'm dropping YouTube videos every single Wednesday at Natalie Marie. So if you go to YouTube, all my socials are the same. Natalie Marie across the board from YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. And my websites are natalieburner.com and nemfashion.com. Awesome. And Phoenix yes. is coming out hopefully this year. Hopefully this year. You know how that that is so weird. Like I made a movie that I and it is a comedy and it I did I went in for uh, like ADR. audio. Yeah, I was gonna say ADR, yep. ADR, yes. Thank you. See, you're a movie guy. Thank you for helping me out. I appreciate you. And never seen the light of day. So it's amazing how many movies or TV shows actually get made, but then don't. And you would think now, especially because, I mean, you guys mentioned it on your last episode. Mm -hmm. It's crazy because movies, I mean, now with streaming, everyone's attention span is like, hey, what's next? Hey, what's next? We're growing up it was like what's the big movie what can we go to going to a movie was like a big big deal yeah. now you can just watch it at your yeah. home um so the big take we are chris just messaged me and i had the same reaction this is this this shows what a pro you are to everybody listening this is what happens when someone's a total pro natalie message i messaged her she's gonna come on the pod total promo of you listened to the last podcast so you knew what you're getting into that is such a savvy move by you not only that, but when I when you had texted me, yeah. um, I had told my husband, and he's like, "Oh my god, I love that show." Wait, so Jonathan was already yes. listening. This is massive. Jonathan dude. was yeah. <laughs> Jonathan was already listening. So um, yeah, 
You guys are, you're doing it. I love it. I love it. We're in the house. This conversation was amazing. Um, Natalie, Eva Marie, again, you can find all her commentary and all her great stuff on social. Listen, I feel like we're kindred spirits. Like, I feel like we would be friends. Yeah, we are. I, I, like, no, I, for sure. You know, you talk I, to I, I, I already know we're going to be friends. 100%. And you already have that Bay Area vibe because of your wife. So exactly. we're already good. Exactly. We're, we're good. Bay Area. Um, again, <laughs> you're going to see Natalie's interview on MLB Network as well. She's going to talk about her love of the San Francisco Giants, Will Clark. So we're, we're simpatico. Mm. I'm so flattered, by the way, that Jonathan listens. Please tell him thank you. I mean, again, we're going to, I hope, I really hope we do meet at some point, but tell him thank you. That's very And so do I. Yeah. So do I. Come on now. <laughs> Don't leave me out here. No, like, yes. You guys are amazing. I love it. And it's so fun to actually, like, hear guys talk, like give actual reviews and, and not be scared like you not liking billy madison yeah i mean i'm facing you a lot know? of blowback for that hey right? yeah, but, I'm gonna be honest. I'm sh but you got to be honest you know sometimes some things aren't your cup of tea <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much you're awesome thank you so much i appreciate you guys All right, great stuff there from Natalie Eva Marie. And how about her husband? I mean, unbelievable, Cody. She, he, big fan of Cinephile. He's like, you should do the podcast. We, we owe Jonathan Coyle for, uh, for telling his wife to do the podcast. I'm always amazed anyone's actually listening. So that's good news for us. We're having a moment right now with guests. <laughs> I know we, we had a little speed bump a couple weeks ago with we were back to authors, yeah. but we're just we're wrestlers, you know, big time stars. My family member, Ray Romano, we're on a roll here. <laughs> Ray Romano is the key. You got us, Ray. Ray was great on MLB Network as well. It was awesome. Speaking of authors, though, we're going back to the well. Next yes. week, T.J. Newman, the author of Falling, which is number two in the New York Times bestseller list. She has a new book out called Drowning. That's coming up next week. Huge Arizona Diamondbacks fan. Lives in Phoenix to this day. Loves Luis Gonzalez. Of course, you all know the 01 World Series if you're a baseball fan. So, T.J. Newman, but great guests coming up. Jennifer Esposito, love her. She's got a movie called Fresh Kills, Tribeca Film Festival. Speaking of Ray Romano, who played his wife in Everybody Loves Raymond, Patricia Heaton. She's going to be on the podcast. New movie called Mending the Line with Brian Cox we, of Succession. Should we get Should we get Ray to drop in? Maybe we'll get like, Ray hey, to drop in. It's hey. old home week. Old home week. <laughs> who knows what we will bring, but the hot fire continues here in Cinephile. Thanks once again to Natalie Eva Marie. She was awesome. And thank you to all of you for listening, and thanks to my man Chris Cody. Go to Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe, rate, and review. Next week, Robert De Niro's new film about my father, 32% Rotten Tomatoes. I'm going to go see it. People are saying it's horrible. They're saying Maniscalco, great stand-up, <laughs> terrible actor. I'm going to go see it. I'll give you my review next week. Until then, I'll see you at the movies. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.